Cerebral is an online mental health service that offers prescription medication, counseling, and therapy for anxiety, depression, ADHD, insomnia, and more. Cerebral is one of the few services that provides prescription medication online through a licensed provider and ships medication straight to your door. You can schedule sessions based on what's most convenient for you, and you don't have to wait weeks to be seen. And BuzzFeed Daily listeners can receive 65% off your first month of medication management and care counseling at Cerebral.com slash BuzzFeed. Go to Cerebral.com slash BuzzFeed for 65% off your first month. Join Cerebral today on their mission to make quality mental health care accessible and affordable for all. Peacock streaming new movies every week at PeacockTV.com. We'll have the Twilight Saga. I never felt more alive. Selma. We must march. Plus Bad Boys 1 and 2 and Shrek 1 and 2. So good to be home. Tons of blockbuster hits you can't not watch. Sign up at PeacockTV.com. Give us your attention. We need everything you got fast. Waiting on reparations. We be the illest podcast. Tune in every Thursday. Politics and wordplay. We fight for the people because they got us in the worst way. From the hill to Brazil, Bombay to Kanye. From the left enclave to what the neocons say. Every Thursday, cop the heady conversation. And break us off with some bread because we waiting on reparations. Listen to Waiting on Reparations on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Amy Schumer opened up about the toll endometriosis has taken on her. Seth Rogen said what we were all thinking about COVID at the Emmys. And BuzzFeed's Nora Dominic is here to talk about everything else that happened at last night's award show. It's September 20th, 2021. Hey friends, I'm Casey Rackham. And I'm Shyla Watson. Welcome to BuzzFeed Daily. So to kick things off, Amy Schumer recently shared what it's been like living with endometriosis and the length she's gone to to treat it. In an Instagram post, she revealed that she not only had her uterus taken out, but her appendix as well, because the endometriosis had, quote, attacked it. Amy used the opportunity to let people know that really painful periods can be a symptom of endometriosis. You know, we kind of talked about this last week, you know, just about doctors not believing women and specifically endometriosis takes a really long time to be diagnosed. Hopefully now it's been less time because, I mean, I don't know if you've noticed, but in the past two years, there's been actual commercials for endometriosis. Yeah. And which is good because a lot of women or people with uteruses do not know. Yeah, most people just assume that it's a painful period or some other symptom, um, and they don't actually have like a name to put to it. So it's great that she's using her platform to highlight this issue, and hopefully other people can, you know, get the help that they need if they need it. I saw a lot of other celebrity women in the comments, um, you know, just thanking her for shining a light on it, like literally while she's in a hospital bed. Right. Yep, exactly. Mm. So moving on, last night at the Emmys, Seth Rogen said what everyone at home was thinking while watching the show. Anyway, good to be here at the Emmy Awards. Let me start by saying there is way too many of us in this little room. What are we doing? They said this was outdoors. It's not. They lied to us. We're in a hermetically sealed tent right now. I would not have come to this. Why is there a roof? It's more important that we have three chandeliers than that we make sure we don't kill Eugene Levy tonight. Yeah, Shyla, I, I thought 
I, I was like looking at this and I was like, I was like, why are there so many people at these tables? Why are the tables so close to each other? I thought this was supposed to be outside. I was so confused. And you can tell like, this is so off the cuff for Seth Rogen, you know, like yeah. he probably had stuff he was supposed to say. And he was like, Hey, I got to talk about this thing real quick. Yeah. Cause it was wild. Like you can't, I mean, from his audio, you can't like see that no one was wearing a mask either. Like, There's gotta be just statistically one breakout case there. And then I want to see the contact list of how it spread because that's how COVID works. Yeah, like this was really bad. And it's like, I was talking to my mom about it because we were watching the show together. And it's like, this is taking place in Los Angeles. It's a major celebrity event. There is no way that CBS does not have enough money to create a large outdoor event. Like there's no reason why it had to be indoors, you know? Well, that's the thing. They did make an outdoor event. And then as Seth said, they put a roof on the tent. (laughs) It doesn't make any sense. And I would be really mad if he like like him, I would be really upset if I showed up thinking it was going to be following COVID safety guidelines and then it wasn't and then I was stuck there supposed to present. That would be awful. <laughs> All right. Well, speaking of the Emmys, people, including us, have a lot of thoughts and BuzzFeed's Nora Dominic joins us today to break down the biggest wins, snubs and surprises. Hi, Nora. Thanks so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me, guys. Do you know what was interesting? I was just about to say that, like, the Emmys are your Oscars. Isn't that true, though? It really Isn't is. Isn't that an accurate description I, of what the I Emmys are I, to you? I think yesterday I called it my Super Bowl. <laughs> there we go. Also accurate. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, so, Nora, did you feel like this was the most quote-unquote normal award show yet? And also, is that a good thing? Yeah, I definitely have felt much more normal. Uh, and like even the crown all being together, like in London, like that felt normal. Like even though they weren't in the room, that was really nice. Them all together. It reminded me of like when the Shit's Creek cast was all together last year. Um, so, so yeah, like we had the red carpet, we had interviews there. Um, and then, you know, everybody, it did feel a little golden globey with all of them sitting yeah, at tables yeah, together. Too. Yeah, it felt a little more relaxed than usual which I kind of dug because like award shows can get long and kind of boring so it was kind of cool to like as a fan see who was sitting at tables with each other um so yeah it did feel quote-unquote normal and you know what it was good because I was worried about how Billy Porter was gonna be able to sit in the audience with his sleeves and then I was like oh okay they're at round table I was like oh thank god (laughs) okay but downside to that we were just previously uh Shiloh and I were talking about Seth Rogen's COVID joke I mean what was the reaction to that in the audience and online I think it was more of a ooh he pointed it out you know (laughs) I think it was a like I feel like we all were like well in theory they're all vaccinated and they all got tested but who's to say one thing was interesting last night was a lot of like the backstage crew kept like popping awkwardly in the background just because of the setup of the stage and like you could see like they were all wearing masks like the crew so I think it's one of those things that's also interesting it's like the normal people are wearing masks but like these celebrities were all hanging out with like they get to just kind of do whatever they want so yeah I think it was kind of like he pointed it out and we were all like oh yeah right <laughs> oh we're not in a fake imaginary world yeah, where COVID bummer. doesn't exist <laughs> yeah Now, it really seemed like we were in store for a more diverse show this year, you know, with Cedric the Entertainer hosting and nearly 50% of the acting nominations going to people of color. But in the end, all 12 lead and supporting acting categories were won by white people. So how are people feeling about that? I mean, I saw Emmy So White was trending. Have any of the nominees or winners commented on that? 
I don't think I've personally seen any of the nominees or winners commenting on it. I think it was a lot of like, oh, the Emmys are back to their usual stuff um, kind of thing. Like you said, there were a lot of diverse nominations. And I think even when like I was filling out my little like Emmy ballot before, like I had some of those people like poised to win. And so like Michael K. Williams for me was like a massive letdown. And it kind of reminded me of Chadwick losing at the Oscars. That was a massive letdown for me because I loved Lovecraft Country. He's phenomenal. And I think that was one of the biggest like, uh, okay, so we really are going down the route of the crown is winning every single Everything. thing. No, it, it truly is. And it was like, you know, as much as I love Ted Lasso, you could see everyone when they were winning, everyone at the table was white because a lot of the main cast is white, whereas the people on the soccer team are people yes. of color and they weren't there. So that was like another felt very shit's creaky in that regard. But then I think one of the big issues was like the level in which the Emmys quote unquote changed because a lot of the presenters were people of color and they were effectively just handing them to white people, you know? So it was just kind of like, oh, so the Emmys is making surface level changes, but might not be going deeper than that. Exactly. And I think it was really apparent because I'm, I'm currently loving the show Reservation Dogs and I absolutely love it. And so when all of them got up there and talked about like indigenous people being on screen... Like, in my mind, I'm like, okay, so next year, like, they better be recognized. Like, we've got to go the step further than just, like, kind of parading them out here and then they hand an award, you know, to another non-person of color. It was awkward because, like, their speech was about, you know, showcasing diversity and then the Academy president came out and even talked about having all of these diverse shows and how important it is to have shows that reflect the world that we're living in. And then immediately following that, it was, again, just like another white person winning, another white person winning. So it was just like, how do they not see that, you know? Yeah. And then another thing with, like you said, Shiloh, with the Academy president coming out, it was the most uncomfortable thing for me to watch him do that spiel. You had Conan doing whatever the hell he was in the audience, oh, and it was for no. Debbie Allen. Like, you're literally, like, you stole this woman of color's massive moment. She was the first black woman to win the governor's award. And, like, it became a moment of, like, Conan's making some joke in the audience. Everybody's laughing, not paying attention. And he's spieling on about how, like, diversity at the Emmys and on TV has never been great. So that was just something that really stuck out to me, too. Okay, so one win I know all of us can wholeheartedly support is Michaela Coles for writing I May Destroy You, which turned out to be one of the more emotional moments of the night. I want to play some of her speech here. Write the tale that scares you, that makes you feel uncertain, that isn't comfortable. I dare you. In a world that entices us to browse through the lives of others to help us better determine how we feel about ourselves and to, in turn, feel the need to be constantly visible. For visibility these days seems to somehow equate to success. Do not be afraid to disappear from it, from us, for a while, and see what comes to you in the silence. Thank you to Casey Bloys, Amy Gravitz, Piers Wenger, and Various Artists Limited for two of the best years of my life. I dedicate this story to every single survivor of sexual assault. Thank you. Oh, I mean, I got chills. So yeah. there's, there's so many layers to it. One that I do want to talk about, though, is what a beautiful, like, 
intimate message where a lot of them are just like, oh, you know, they're talking about the show. And it's like, no, she won the award for best writing and she chose to talk about writing. And I just thought that was so deep and personal because like we know, this show came from an extremely personal place for her. Exactly. And I love that it proved that like, you know, like I think a lot of people were getting played off last night and her speech proved like you can do so much in literally 30 seconds. Right. Yeah. Like she had the absolute best speech of the night and it happened in like the 20 seconds she was given and it was just so perfect for her. And, you know, I think we all know how satisfying it was to see her win her first Emmy. But for anyone who doesn't know, can you explain her snub at the Golden Globes? Yeah. So basically last year's Golden Globes, the I May Destroy You was like completely shut out. And that show was basically poised to kind of sweep the Golden Globes. Everybody thought even before everybody knew the Golden Globes really has a diversity problem and they have for years. But I think that was kind of the nail in the coffin, if you will, especially because like, not to be mean, but like Emily in Paris got these nominations. And it was just like, we can be mean. It's <laughs> Blaine, like, oh, okay, so none of you paid attention to I May Destroy You. I see what happened here. Um, So, yeah, it was so satisfying that she finally got recognized. And I think, like, the acting category she was in was so tough. And I love that she got the win for writing such a personal show. Like you said, Casey, it was just, like, the perfect thing she could have won for. Like, directing would have been great, too. But I just think there was something so personal about her getting it for writing her story. It was. And I think you could see that in her reaction when she found out she won. She hunched over. She took that moment in because I can only imagine about after telling this story and it being recognized. I mean, what a moment. All right. We'll be right back talking more about the Emmys with Nora Dominic. At SheFit, we're tired of hearing new year, new you, fat burning secrets and lose weight fast. The only thing you need to lose is self-doubt. The body you're in deserves respect, love, and support. Support you're not getting from your current sports bra. It's time to experience the only sports bra that actually does its job and outperforms the most popular brands on the market. It's time to feel real support from SheFit. Save $10 today at SheFit.com slash 2022. Conquer your New Year's resolution to be more productive with the Before Breakfast podcast. In each bite-sized daily episode, time management and productivity expert, Laura Vanderkam, teaches you how to make the most of your time, both at work and at home. These are the practical suggestions you need to get more done with your day. Just as lifting weights keeps our bodies strong as we age, learning new skills is the mental equivalent of pumping iron. Listen to Before Breakfast wherever you get your podcasts. I'm John Gonzalez, the host of Sports Illustrated Weekly. Sports Illustrated has delivered the best storytelling in sports for 70 years. First in the pages of the magazine, then on SI.com, and now that tradition continues on a new podcast. Each week, we'll dive deep into the best stories from around the sports world. We'll ask the questions that we're all wondering and push for the answers we all want. Everything from investigating the Super Bowl's impact on L.A., to examining why booing is as big a part of the fan experience as cheering. Sports Illustrated Weekly is here to bring you the entertaining tales you can't get anywhere else. The kinds of stories that make you smile and laugh, clap and cry, marvel, think, and fall in love with sports all over again. Sports Illustrated Weekly is available every Wednesday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe now.
Welcome back. We're talking with Nora Dominic about last night's Emmy Awards. Now, I want to talk about the wins that everyone seems to agree with most. And I think all of us here can agree that that would be Ted Lasso. I mean, you have Jason Sudeikis, Hannah Waddingham, and Brett Goldstein all won in the acting categories. Was this expected? I think it was. I think they really were poised to Shit's Creek, if you will, and really sweep the comedy category. I was so excited for them. They're such like a wholesome and fun cast. They all seem to be having like the best time together. It was so great. Truly. And I also hope that like Jason Sudeikis took in that moment of like this show that he helped create brought so much joy to just his cast members too. Like it led to like, obviously their acting is what helped them win. But I mean, he helped create those roles. What's really nice about Ted Lasso is Schitt's Creek got all this recognition at the end, whereas Ted Lasso is getting it at the beginning, even Fleabag. It was like it was the end and they were getting recognized. I mean, yeah, that show specifically last year, right time, right place, right show. It really helped a lot of us get through the first year of the pandemic. So kudos to them all around. So, okay, on the drama side, and I don't know how I feel about this one, so I'm interested to see how you feel about it. The Crown took home a lot of awards as well. You know, Olivia Coleman and Gillian Anderson, they won for Best Acting. And I'm like, yes, support them, love them. And, you know, this was pretty much predicted. But do you agree with all the love for The Crown? Because they ended up winning Best Drama, too. So I kind of knew they were going to win Best Drama. It was actually the first time Netflix has won that category, which is wild to me. Um, The Handmaid's Tale had won it previously, and they were the first streamer. So that one I wasn't too shocked about. Kind of how I said beforehand, I think, like... I really thought Michael K. Williams was going to take that award. And Tobias Menzies is great. Like, I honestly think he should have won for Outlander years ago. So he's great. But that was one I was kind of surprised about. And then Josh O'Connor, that was another one. I'm glad he won. But that was another category where I thought, like, Billy Porter would have won for Pose's last season. Right, right. And if for people don't know that name, he's the actor who plays um, Prince Charles. Yes. Um, So it was just, there were certain ones where I was like, oh, okay, the crown's really going to sweep once we were seeing them win everything. And then the other kind of surprise for me was that Emma Corrin didn't win, but Olivia Coleman did. That one was a little bit of a shock within itself, just within the crown, just because Emma had been cleaning up at the other award shows. But yeah, I think they were poised to win it all. And it was just like, once you, once they were won writing and directing, it was like, okay, they're going to, you know, take it all, I think. So something else I know you're excited to talk about, Nora, is all of the mayor of Easttown love. I mean, were you happy that like Kate Winslet won, even though she'd already won for so many other things? Yeah, I was really excited for her. I think this is, like she said in her acceptance speech, I think it was great to see like her win for like playing a very unapologetic, like middle-aged female character. And I think she put a lot of work and effort into the show, into making the character. So that was really great to see. And then seeing Evan Peters win his first one and Julianne went like, those were all so well-deserved. I think Mare of Easttown was a big kind of Kate Winslet kind of went off of that. It was a big moment, I think, in TV this year. So it was really nice to see them win for acting. So Nora... Speaking of Evan Peters, I'm going to pivot to another show that he was in, and I need to know how you're feeling, okay? (laughs) I know it's a sensitive subject for you this morning, but WandaVision took home nothing. Was Elizabeth Olsen robbed? Um... I, 
I think Elizabeth Olsen's always robbed. Um, <laughs> um, I tweeted last night. I was like, she really should have won like two years ago for Sorry for Your Loss, and that's the hill I'm willing to die on. But that category was so stacked. Between Michaela Cole, Kate Winslet, Anya Taylor-Joy, Elizabeth Olsen, and Cynthia Revo, like, you literally couldn't go wrong with who you picked. And I think it was down to the wire. There was literally no... Like, Elizabeth could have done a surprise, I think, when Anya was definitely poised to be the front runner earlier in the year, and then Kate Winslet ended up taking it. So it was just a super competitive category for that. My biggest surprises were, I think, Paul Bettany and Katherine Hahn were the biggest shocks for me, not getting those. Um, I mean, WandaVision did win best song for Agatha all along. I guess I count that, <laughs> and that's important to me as well. <laughs> Listen, I have full faith that Catherine Hahn is in her time right now. And we're She'll get, get there. Even more, Finally. We're getting even more chances for her to be on that <laughs> stage. <laughs> so are there any other snubs that were painful that we that we have to talk about or were those sort of the big ones i feel like those were the big ones the one i was most shocked about was again it goes off the paul bettany snub is like ewan mcgregor winning for halston i think that was a show no one really watched. i, I had, I had <laughs> no i have no clue why yeah. he was there i was so confused yeah. so that, like, yeah, that no, one threw me for sure that one really threw me but yeah like i said like michael k williams was a big one for me i was really wanting like mj rodriguez to kind of do a surprise yeah. win um, I think that would have been great. Um, obviously, I would have loved for WandaVision to win any of the acting ones. I think genre TV, like Watchmen won a lot last year, obviously, but I think it's got so far to go and there's so many great performances in the quote unquote like superhero shows and the shows that, you know, are considered kind of niche and, you know, not prestige TV. Um, so I would have loved to see something there. But obviously just for like it being the first like Marvel Disney Plus show and it being recognized in that way was huge um but yeah okay nora one last question what was your hands down favorite moment of the night oh no um <laughs> Uh, I love the like little moments between the cast, obviously. So I loved Hannah and Juno's reaction to Brett winning. I think that was so cute. Um, I also loved um, Elizabeth Olsen giving Evan Peters a standing ovation for winning. That was really cute. And then I loved Debbie Allen's. Like she was so yeah. happy and so she her was, was to great. like some some people do not get to see the appreciation they deserve in their lifetime. So I'm sure that was an absolutely unbelievable and overwhelming moment for her to just like have that standing ovation. Absolutely. I think Debbie Allen, Jean Smart and Kate Winslet. I loved that they were like, oh, my God, everybody's standing for me. Like it, like Kate Winslet even said it. And we was like, I think it was just like those three really stood out to me because I think we all know that the three of them are like massive and huge and everybody loves them. But like you said, Casey, like I don't think they get to see that on the daily. Those three moments. I loved those. Well, Nora, I want to thank you so much for joining us. And I want to tell everyone right now that if they haven't watched the Emmys, they should go and watch Jennifer Coolidge's introduction <laughs> for best actor in a comedy because that was my favorite moment of the night. I will not describe it further. You must it Google it. It honestly deserved its own award. It just, its that's own. how good it was. It was a sneak peek of when she's there next year for White yes, Lotus. And exactly, that's where we're exactly. at. Yeah. Okay, well, seriously, Nora, thanks so much. Thanks for having me. That's it for today. Come back and join us tomorrow. And remember, protect Eugene Levy from COVID. Be sure to subscribe to BuzzFeed Daily on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you go for your sound stories. 
And please take the time to leave us a rating and a review. It helps us figure out what you like about the show versus what you love about the show. And remember to come back for more of what you love about BuzzFeed, coming to you daily. Look through your children's eyes and you will discover the true magic of a forest. Find a forest near you and start exploring at discovertheforest.org. Brought to you by the United States Forest Service and the Ad Council. Hey, Lethal listeners. Tig here. Last season on Lethal Lit, you might remember I came to Hollow Falls on a mission. Clearing my Aunt Beth's name and making sure justice was finally served. But I hadn't counted on a rash of new murderers tearing apart the town. My mission put myself and my friends in danger. Though it wasn't all bad. I'm gonna be real with you, Tig. I like you. But now, all signs point to a new serial killer in Hollow Falls. If this game is just starting, you better believe I'm gonna win. I'm Tig Torres, and this is Lethal Lit. Catch up on season one of the hit murder mystery podcast, Lethal Lit, a Tig Torres mystery, out now. And then tune in for all new thrills in season two, dropping weekly starting February 9th. Subscribe now to never miss an episode. Listen to Lethal Lit on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, I'm Minnie Driver, and on my podcast, Mini Questions, I put together a little experiment. I ask trailblazers across different disciplines the same seven questions. Questions about the inflection points in their life, what they like least about themselves, and what relationship has defined love for them. This season, I'm coming back with new trailblazers, like Blondie vocalist Debbie Harry. I did have a revelation. It was at CBGB's, as a matter of fact. I was waiting for the audience to give it to me, give it to me. Then I realized that I had to make them. I had to command them. Artist and creative juggernaut Goldie. And I walk up to the mountain, I hike up. Just being in that environment and seeing life and death in front of you, right in front of you. And I go up there and scream and cry and, and, and laugh. And I find that being the happiest and many more. Join me as we continue this exploration on season two of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts.